Unprepared Sports Anime Fan Podcast. <laughs> My name is Matt, and joining me today is a very special guest, Matt. Oh, sorry, I wasn't prepared to answer that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> hi. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, today uh, we are finally beginning the new winter season. Uh, this is gonna be, we're gonna be covering both the first and second week of the winter season with all the sports anime that aired in between January 2nd to January 15th. Right. Um, we probably should have done an episode last week because we didn't realize how much was airing, so we're gonna be doing a lot of double ups this week. Well, yeah, I mean, so the reason that I initially suggested we not do a normal episode last week was because we wouldn't have been able to do the first episode of Yalamushi Petal, which is something right. we're both looking forward to. What I didn't realize, because I didn't put in the work to break it down, is that we would have been able to do an episode of everything else. Um, yeah. So, it's fine. Um, it's just... Yeah, it's no big deal. We got a chance to watch Princess Stride, which, you know, if you haven't watched that episode, please go watch it. We love that episode. Well, yeah. It, yeah, so that was, that was a fun... Um, it, little experiment to go through of doing a series review for something we hadn't done on the show uh so that was fun and i think worthwhile for us if not for anyone else um, <laughs> but yeah so uh we're back and now uh moving forward starting next week with week three we'll just have you know a, a single episode of each show per week um you know up until we finally get those last two episodes of long riders um <laughs> So like I promised a, a few weeks ago, we're going to start um, highlighting uh, some of the reviews that we get on iTunes um, and uh, some other social stuff as it comes up. So uh, like, like I said, if you give us a positive review, if you give us a five star on iTunes, we'll read it. Uh, on the air, you can be a part of Coaching Cast History. That's pretty fun. <laughs> um, and we'll probably highlight some other stuff, like if we get um, questions or, or comments, we, we may uh, bring those up on the podcast, too. So, uh, like I said, feel free to contact us through any of your uh, social media. We're Coaching Cast on everything. We're on email. We're coachingcast at gmail.com. Um, but first, the review. So we actually got this review before... The episode aired where uh, we talked about doing this um, and it is from a user named Tennessee Tweedy uh, though I, I will just refer to them as Tennessee from here on um, it's a little lengthy but I'm, I'm gonna read uh, uh, the part and then summarize the rest uh, so Tennessee says uh, thank you for a excuse me the title of the review before I go into it is finally in all caps I have a home which, you know, big words. Um, <laughs> and uh, Tennessee says, Thank you for a podcast that focus so focuses solely on the sports anime genre. I listen to many anime YouTubers and podcasters that give barely a mention of two sports titles, let alone a thoroughly detailed and analytical review. Only the best or most popular titles like Haikyuu or Yuri on Ice are talked about with any seriousness. I found your podcast and binge listened during the holiday break. Uh, so I've been able to take notice of constant improvements you've made on the cast format, but I also have uh, a technical criticism. And he goes on for a bit to uh, basically break down some of the audio issues we'd had, um, particularly in episode 13. And so we totally appreciate that. You know, we, we want to get feedback yeah. on stuff where we're messing up. We appreciate the, uh, the, the positivity, though, the fact that you're enjoying the podcast. 
Tennessee. Hope hope you're you're still with us and. Um, yeah, we're we're working to sort of balance out our audio levels because Yeah. So it, let me just uh, let me just give a very brief summary about what the issue with the audio is sometimes. So, I have a very loud booming voice hmm. and uh Matt here is not quite as loud as I am. No. So, we often are I'm and since I do a lot of the audio, I have to struggle to try and balance out the uh our voices so that one doesn't come off too uh too loud and one doesn't you know, one comes off a little better, but, you know, I don't listen to, like, the entire episode. I just kind of listen to brief clips uh, to kind of see. And, I, you know, I just kind of like, okay, that sounds fine. And then I sort of throw it up there. So I'll wor- I'm working on trying to make sure that it uh, it balances out a little better now. So I'll – and I'll keep looking into ways that we can solve that. Yeah. Um, and the particular episode, because he specifically mentioned episode 13, and that was kind of an outlier because on episode 13 – we recorded it together in person, right? And we only used one mic, which is you know so, kind which, of a rookie when we don't mistake. Have two, yeah, when we don't have when I don't have two audio tracks to uh, to cover, like to kind of mess with uh, individually, it's a lot more difficult to uh, mess up the uh, to alter the audio. So it can get a little tricky sometimes. But hey, you know what? We appreciate you bringing that up because it is something I do need to work on. Yeah, and um, so that the, when we were together in person it's basically impossible to alter the fact that i'm much quieter than you are right. uh, so anyway but you know we we appreciate your feedback appreciate your kind words glad we could provide you a a home for sports anime that's sort of what we intended to do you know people that are interested in the genre um and you know who who else out there is going to give you uh, a weekly breakdown of long riders you know? right nobody that's who <laughs> um for good reason uh, and then I also just wanted to give a quick shout out to um, our most frequent commenter on the YouTube side, Rena. So Re- right. Rena, uh, throughout the fall season, gave us a lot of really interesting critical feedback on our analysis, particularly with Yuri on Ice, but also engaged with uh, the other material. We uh, enjoyed going back and forth with Rena and. Uh, Appreciated the the enthusiasm, so uh, yeah. I just wanted to like identify the fact that 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 does not go unappreciated. We love hearing from people who are listening to the episode, hear about you know maybe something we misinterpreted or could learn from, and just uh, being able to learn more from all you guys because you guys probably know more than we do most of the time. So right. Um, anyway, so all all that being said, do we want to kick it off with our first new show? Yeah, let's t- kick it off with uh, Yawabushi Petal, New Generation, hereby referred to as Yawapita, and probably never again by the full title. Uh, I was thinking of, like, we have to shorten the whole thing, because Yawabushi Petal became Yawapita, so now right. this season has to be Yawapita Engine. <laughs> Alright, sounds good to me. So, covering Yawapita uh, Engine... Uh, <laughs> We begin with action with a uh, a cold opening with uh, the the main three first years, which would be Onoda, Iwaizumi, and Naruko being told off by Onoda's mother for Onoda's mother being mad that they hid the fact that Onoda was actually part of their cycling team, like a major part of it, even though they, if I recall from last season, they frequently tried to explain that to her and she didn't get it. Uh, and this face this serves as just sort of a reminder of the main events from what happened at the end because it's been a while since the first season or the second season rather so 
anyway, it, it ends with uh, her mother kind of getting over, or Anoda's mother getting over it and being like, hey, you know, like, just keep working hard for the team. Uh, then what happens is we get kind of the sequence of both Iwaizumi and uh, Anoda going off to the Kanzaki bike shop, which is where uh, Miki and Tuji work, and they have been building new bikes for these for the first year characters. Iwaizumi gets a uh, he gets electrical gears, which gives him a more in instantaneous gear shift. Anoda gets a lighter frame because he's always had a bit of a heavier frame and it's a little bit of a more of a struggle for him to to be a climber with such a heavy frame. And then Naruko, uh, he becomes a uh, he gets a he gets like chrome wheels. So yes, I see you highlighting the Amizumi. My bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so they go off and you know they're getting really confident. So they're really they're really happy about their new bikes and you know they think like hey you know we're gonna get keep getting stronger and stronger here and so we have kind of just two little other like little plots that happen here first of all we have uh makishima who is uh he was the third year climber he was kind of the fan favorite character of the entire series anyway he puts in his resignation notice from the club because he has to move across seas to live with his brother, and he's going to start going to college there, but he didn't want to tell anybody because this is coming off the news to everybody. And everybody gets very upset and, you know, like, hey, why didn't he tell us this? But Makashima, being kind of a bit of a loner, decides to uh, go on one last climb up their old, uh, up the hill that they, uh, that's near their school, the Minagama, the Minagama Hill, and, uh, by chance, Anoda comes by, and he asks Anoda to, if he wants to go on a climb with him. Anoda being unaware that this is his last time, you know, gonna, you know, his last time cycling with them. He, first, Anoda says, hey, you know, I don't, it's like, hey, you know, I just got off of the hill, you know, I'm not gonna go back out there again. But then, kind of has a second thought, it's like, you know what, something tells me I should maybe do this. And so they have a climb together, it's all very fun. And then... Then finally we wrap up with the sort of like a like a farewell to the third year. So to Shingo and to uh, Tadakoro, who are passing the torch essentially and stating, hey, you know, great job, great work, guys. Let's keep it at, like we're really proud of you guys. And they put up and they nominate Teshima to be the new captain and Aoyagi to be the uh, vice captain. And their first and Teshima's first decree as captain is to make sure that they understand to that they need that like they can't get complacent now. They have to keep like now they have to deal with the pressure and burden of being champions and making sure that they uh, keep up that keep that up. And so they uh, so for their very first act as captain, they uh, captains. They set up a 15-kilometer race to get to, like, the street light when they're out on their normal ride. And effectively what they realize is that these, that the uh, that the pair has actually still been training and working since that while they were at the inter-high, you know, while they were working at the inter-high, like, working towards it. And they basically, uh, these two actually beat them, kind of putting them in their place and being like, look, you guys can't get this confident about your past victory and the fact that you guys got these new bikes. Like, you need to keep working. And that's kind of where the episode ends. Also with Anoda, like, realizing that he's struggling a lot because 
I, he's still getting used to this new lighter frame. Well, yeah. Um, I, you know, I think getting used to the frame was part of it, but right. it was, I, I think, I think it was communicated that he was still hung up on Makashima leaving. Um, oh, that like part of the reason that he wasn't able to quite live up to his potential or whatever is that he wants to like he feels overwhelmed with trying to replace Makashima and live oh. up, live up to his expectations as a climber. Okay, okay. So I guess what they're trying to do there is they're kind of ki- trying to connect this new bike to this personal growth that he needs to go through essentially. Yeah, I mean Maybe. <laughs> uh, o- overall, it was sort of... Um, uh, it was an adjustment getting back into Yalapeta right. for me. Uh, I was a little surprised by the art style. And I don't know if that's just me having distance from it, but I don't remember it being like as goofy as it was. Um, it's always been a little goofy. I th- I do think you just have to get back to used to it. Now, the thing that I noticed was I feel like they're using a lot more CG now because mm-hmm. the C- if maybe they use CG in the first place, and I wasn't really quite used to seeing it that much because I was got, I got into Yawapeta pretty much as soon as I was getting back. It was kind of when I was getting back into anime, right? So maybe I didn't have as quite of a critical eye in that regard. But I was seeing a lot of really noticeable CG, and it was kind of distracting because mm-hmm. uh, it, it really kind of it, it it uses cg better than something like long riders you know the yeah. other cycling series that we've been watching lately because they're generally smart enough to you to uh anytime they use cg they generally use it during fast motion like when they're going down the hill and you're getting like a long shot generally just as a way to sort of convey like kind of a cost-cutting measure so that they don't have to meticulously animate like everything that's going on uh but yeah the, it's definitely noticeable and it does take me out of it a little bit yeah i don't know i mean i thought the episode was fine it yeah it sort of caught you up with like setting the stage for the new plots like okay right. Yeah, I mean, the, the captains are these second years you kind of ignored the entire second season, but right. it turns out they have enormous calves, so that's, <laughs> you know, so... Right, well, that? you know, they mentioned, it's like, hey, you know, we've, they've been training for a while, you know, they were training while you guys were focusing on the uh, the inner high, you know, they never actually stopped. Well, I guess, but that doesn't, like, give an, an advantage, because it's not as if the first year they weren't <laughs> training for the inter high, like, they were right. all training... Um, I guess what you could argue is that because they were tra- because for the inter high they have to make sure that they're a little bit better rested so that they can go all out during the main event. I guess. Uh, but and so you know they don't have to worry about stuff like that so they can do like a little bit more experimental stuff. It did see, the episode didn't really cover yeah. it that well. It, it felt a little bit like anime reasoning. Right. Yeah, a little bit. Just like, oh, you know, while well, you guys were focusing on that, they were, you know, they were still practicing it. Like, well, I mean, we were practicing exactly. too. We were... <laughs> like, while well, you idiots were off focusing on biking, they could stay behind and focus on biking. <laughs> yeah, kind of a little bit. That being said, I do kind of appreciate the... Because uh, I thought they might have tried... Cause the series does have a bit of a tendency to focus on its main, uh, its uh, 
its first year cast a little too hard. So I thought they were at, they might have tried to go in the direction of making uh, Imaizumi the captain. Well, yeah. Uh, and then, like, you know, Teshima and Aoyagi are, like, you know, they're just kind of off to the side. You know, they're still part of the team. But, you know, they may get their own, like, big arc, considering the fact that they are effectively, at this point, new characters. I mean, I realize not quite. They were pretty well established in the first... In the first uh, parts of the show, but they kind of fell off once yeah. the inter high started. Right. But I, and especially with the uh, at the end of the second season with uh, Shingo trying, essentially, effectively trying to pass the torch on to uh, Imaizumi and telling him like, you know, you have to take up role as like the ace of the team. And I thought they were going to try and make him the captain as well. But I, I do appreciate that they had the that they were, you know, they gave it to the people with a little bit more experience. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I think, and I, I thought that was a fine part of the episode. No, yeah, and it was just there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot to it, right? I, I one other thing I did like that they did was you know this this first part of the episode was basically like you know this big buildup for Anoda and Amizumi and Naruko being like yeah we got these new bikes you know we're getting upgraded you know like they're gonna get get even stronger now and I do kind of appreciate at the very end it's just like yeah it's actually not that big a deal guys like. Don't get too full of yourselves. I, mm-hmm. I kind of appreciate that they... That at least the series is willing to bring down its main cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for this... Because because uh, too often, I think, like, you know, in any other series, this might have been considered, like, a big power-up. You know, like, this is their big upgrade, and now they're going to have a bunch of events where they're going to show off, like, hey, this is how good it is. Like, you know, this is how, like, this is how strong their new ability is. Like, you know, Amizamine is awesome, like, uh, instant gear shift and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. But it's like, no, it actually, like, it was kind of purposely done to kind of bring you down at the end. Yeah. Um, just if we can predict a few things, what do you think are the odds that uh, during the next inter-high, Imaizumi's battery is going to run out on his electric gear shifter? <laughs> they did set that up in this episode, didn't they? Because he's like, now remember, this battery can only last for 15 kilometers. 1,500. Oh, 1,500, sorry. I meant to say 1,500. <laughs> yeah, that would be a very ineffective battery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that point, fairly worth using. But yeah, no, that's an, that's probably a good point. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, that, that's... I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Imaizumi just can't get through a race without his bike breaking. Um, right. Because he just rides so hard, or whatever. <laughs> um, and... I don't know. They may try and pull that off during the inter-high if they end up getting to that this season. I could also see them, like, trying to set up a plot point, like maybe a different race that they end up doing where it does shut down to show that Imaizumi needs to learn to take better care of his bike. But, oh, yeah. you know, as prep before the inter-high. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but, um, I don't know. Uh... I'm a little worried based off of the opening that it seems like they're going to try because uh, they showed off this big, uh, you know, this big sequence of like the new characters on the different teams. And I'm a little worried that they're going in the direction that we kind of feared, which is that they're just going to try building up Hokone or yeah, Hokone, Hokone and, uh, and uh, Mido Suji again. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So Mido Suji is definitely coming back. He's, and it'll just be interesting to see how, whether he's grown any as a character. But right. Who knows? But that opening did not instill, like, just based off of the animation there and what they showed. Because it looks like, you know, they do, like, both teams do, ha- or Mitosuji's team and uh, Hokone's team look like, you know, they both have, like, new members. And, uh, 
Well, but it's like, yeah, it looks like they're still trying to build up, you know, Suji as a threat again, and, you know, we're still stuck on Hokone. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, it's a fine episode. I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out again, but it, it does kind of feel like we're going to be going through the old motions again. Yeah. Who knows? But uh, if we want to move on to a show that is definitely not going through the motions. <laughs> yeah, let's go on to March Comes In Like a Lion. Okay. All right, so uh, we're going to cover episodes 12 and 13. We'll just talk about episode 12 first. Um, it starts off with Ray being back at his apartment. So if you remember from episode 11, he had gotten a fever and he had to stay at the sister's house for a while. But he's finally recovered and he's back at his apartment. But he becomes overwhelmed with this sort of, like, dread and loneliness because, you know, his apartment is silent. He's all by himself. There's nobody right. there. He needs to, like, go for a walk just to distract himself from how, like, he feels this depression overtaking him. Um, right. And uh, that that goes on. That's a pretty extended sequence, which, ju- just to bring up that, you know, even though they may not have focused on the depression aspect of this show recently, uh, that's still a very real thing in his life. Um, Moving on, he basically wants to get set for an upcoming tournament. It looks like, it's sort of like an open tournament where pro shogi players across different levels can enter and uh, compete for a pretty significant prize. They're Competing, like, a single win in the tournament will net you about um, $6,000 or, uh, what is it, 600,000 yen. Um, Right. So he, Ray enters and he ends up uh, competing alongside Mr. Smith. Uh, And so they both, both have their first match, uh, and Ray and Mr. Smith both manage to win mr smith sets up a trap to win and ray just sort of outlasts his opponent and wins after 187 moves um and they end up trying to develop his opponent but i'm, I'm not quite sure it works anyway uh, <laughs> after after the match uh mr smith and ray run into gato who is the the guy who's been connected with ray's older sister and uh kyoko and he uh basically threatens Ray again, you know, because he beat him up before, and tells Ray to have Kyoko, who he refers to as that stalker girl, back off. Um, by, by the end of the episode, the, the chairman of the Shogi Association brings in some fish. He forces Ray to take some fish with him, because that's <laughs> what he does, and he brings them back to uh, the sister's house. Uh, and, right. And Ray, Ray decides that he needs to and even though he wants to stay at the sister's house, he needs to focus on training so that he can be ready to defeat Gato. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, with this first episode, it reminded me a lot of the first episode. And as you know, I wasn't big on the first episode. Uh, there are a couple of things I liked in this episode. Like, one thing I really appreciated was the portrayal of depression at the very beginning of the episode. Uh, because I just, I love this quiet scene that plays out with Ray just sort of sitting there eating breakfast and being like, because it's like, that just immediately cues you in if you've been following the series about like, yeah, 
this is becoming more and more unbearable. These like quiet scenes yeah. at Ray's apartment. Right. Like you can just you can feel the tension there, and like and just how much he like you can feel just how much he is slowly not wanting to be there anymore. But what I also appreciated about it is that it kind of addresses this whole issue with depression, where uh, when you're kind of starting to get out of it, uh, it's it starts to feel very weird because you get so used to being in this malaise that it almost feels unreal once you're starting to feel happy again and you kind of start falling back in like into old habits. Mm-hmm. And that's something I really appreciated about how they portrayed that. Um, and then the other thing I really liked was the very end of the episode where Ray, uh, basically sits down, uh, Momo was like, I'm really sorry, I can't spend the night here, I really have to get, uh, prepared for this, for this match. And I thought, in a good parallel to the first episode, uh, because the first episode, uh, involved Ray trying to avoid the sisters, you know, kind of making excuses and, like, trying to get out of, get out of the way, you know, like, you know, I don't really want to spend time with them you know it's like i mean they're nice but i, I don't yeah, want to yeah, get yeah. involved there but here this is an act of like he's not making excuses to not stay with them this is something he legitimately ha- he understands he needs to do and he's not you know he's trying like this is actually him actively like attempting something with his life mm-hmm. rather than just kind of going through the motions mm-hmm. yeah no i mean i i thought it was a strong episode overall okay uh i i i think the most interesting thing is probably them setting up the conflict with goto and right. I, I know i mispronounced his name during the opening of the ads <laughs> uh, but uh the sort of how it, it was interesting because when he was portrayed before you you, you never right. actually saw him as a character you just saw people talk about him and so right. my perception of him was that he was just, like, a bully, just a violent person. Um, but he doesn't actually come off that way in the show. He comes, well, he comes off as a very big, strong person, um, but he doesn't come off as, like, a crazy person, you know? Right. Um, well, go ahead. It's interesting, too, because that I, that was another part I did kind of like, uh, was the fact that it's kind of playing with our ex, our expectations of Kyoko, because, you know, we've always seen her as being kind of, you know, this scheming, you know, this girl who's just constantly trying to get inside race, as, you know, she has this, she has this love of control and, like, needing, like like, needing to show her control by, like, kind of abusing Rei, almost. And, like, through Goto, we're, reali- we're, we're kind of starting to get some doubts about that. It's like, is Kyoko actually insane well right yeah i mean and what exactly is the nature of their relationship because she right clearly refers to goto as her boyfriend but then it's revealed in the episode goto is married um right and so she always says oh you know goto got me this watch goto did this for me did he did you steal it from his wife like i don't know (laughs) right like did you steal it from his wife or you guys like were you just some sort of uh were you kind of like an affair Goto had? Because he kind of strikes me as the kind of guy who would probably have a couple of yeah, girls sure. on the side of his marriage. Uh, and like, did he kind of have like an affair with you and you just got completely and utterly overly attached to him after this? Like, what's going on there? So that I did like. And I should point out, I did like this episode more than the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think there were a couple times where it had a tendency to get a little overbearing with the, uh, uh, with its explanation. Like, you know, like at the very beginning of the episode, I love that little quiet moment in Ray's apartment. I don't particularly care for the fact that Ray, that we need to get this explanation of like, oh, you know, it's so boring and quiet here. I really wish I was back with those girls because it's very warm like a kotatsu. Yeah, he said that about four times. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, okay, guys, like, you all you needed was that quiet scene there. Maybe, like, a quick flash or, like, a cut to, you know, Ray hanging out with the apartment to kind of, you know, maybe drive the point home a little bit here. You don't need to keep bringing home the point that, yeah, Ray wants to spend time with the sisters now. Like, that's really kind of what got me. That, and you had kind of touched upon this a little bit. I wasn't big on the shogi games that they had played because they had this very, like, they tried to set up these two, like, opponents of Ray and Mr. Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, because Mr. Smith's opponent is supposed to be, like, he's, I guess, this fantasy nerd who's, like, seeing this game, at, like, this game as actually being, like, an old-school RPG. And it's not really... That was not clearly that... communicated. <laughs> yeah, and it's not really that endearing of a of a trait and then like uh ray's opponent is this guy who keeps making bad jokes and it's like this is starting to feel a little bit more like a traditional sports series and you know one of the things that was interesting about march comes in like a lion was that it had a much more human depiction of the characters mm-hmm. and you know these two guys you know they're just we're spending a lot of time on them and they're just not doing anything with me it's getting a little bit it was getting a little too bombastic and happy for me and I hate to say it like this, the show is not that interesting when it's happy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it has its moments, but when it's being, like, like being, like, overly bombastic and silly, that's kind of like, uh, I kind of start to tune out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I but, uh, yeah. Uh, did you have any other takeaways from this episode? No, uh, I mean, it segues pretty clearly into episode 13, so we can just talk about that. The, okay, uh, that's fair. Um, so with episode 13, the whole first half of the episode is just focused on Mr. Smith. Uh, so it begins (laughs) with an extended sequence of him starting his day and just, you know, getting up and eating breakfast and walking to his match and then sort of thinking about his upcoming match against Goto and thinking about his own style of shogi, uh, and then playing the actual game against uh, Goto, and so they, they show extended sequences of that game right. in which uh, Smith ends up losing, um, and, and Goto sort of lectures him a little bit on staying true to himself. <laughs> uh, right. And then in, in the second half, um, Ray remembers that he's actually met his opponent, Shimada, before. Uh, when Ray was a kid, Shimada came to uh, like a children's shogi event and lectured on his shogi style and ray can only remember that he was really boring and he couldn't he couldn't actually remember his his style beyond (laughs) uh the fact that he played defensively um right and then when they're actually playing the game without knowing exactly how it happened ray realizes that he was lulled into a trap and that he um is not able to respond effectively to Shimada's attacks. Uh, And at the very end, uh, you see a flashback from Shimada's perspective where he's talking to Nikaido. 
and Nakaido refers to Shimada as his brother and tells him that he needs to crush Ray. <laughs> so it doesn't really explain why that happened, but uh, it happened. Right. Uh, okay, so much like uh, with the first episode, how I was starting to grow on it more on the second episode, I like this episode a lot more. Uh, I thought the focus on Mr. Smith was a lot more interesting because it showed sort of the... Like, it was kind of a weird little vignette, I guess, of just what it's like uh, for just sort of this mediocre... Like, not even mediocre, but this... A player who's basically just kind of playing as a means to sort of get by in life. Right. Like, like Mr. Smith, you know, we kind of see with Mr. Smith, like, this whole, like, he, he kind of comes up with this plan and even kind of talks to himself, like, yeah, like, I have this plan in place, but I actually don't even see, like, a world and, like, I don't even see a future in which I win this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, yeah, I, and, you know, even, but, you know, when he gets to the match, he's like, okay, well, maybe I can do this. Maybe, you know, maybe this is something I can do, you know, like, I got, you know, I got this plan in place, maybe it'll work. And then, no, of course it doesn't work. And it kind of ends with Mr. Smith taking home, like, like, kind of, like, sort of getting depressed to himself, but not really letting it get to him too much. Like, he kind of jokes around, like, okay, well, let's see, I'm either gonna go home, either I'm gonna go to a hostess bar... Or I'm gonna go get. I'm just gonna go home and cry to myself tonight. Let's see what I'm gonna do. And he ends up actually taking home a cat. Like, sure, why it, not? <laughs> yeah, well, because it's like it shows that it's like okay, loss sucks, but you know, it's not that big a deal. You get through it. Yeah. And I thought, and I thought that was kind of my big takeaway from the Mister Smith section. Yeah. Well, so what did you think they were trying to do with the beginning of the episode? Because they sort of had like. Uh, like a jazz music extended right. over a single tracking shot of Mr. Smith waking up and preparing his breakfast for <laughs> right? several minutes. Um, what, yeah, what for, you... like this goes on for like three, four minutes. Yeah. Uh, first of all, like, so these are my two takeaways from it. So artistically, I think what they're trying to do is that they're setting this episode up as being a day in the life. Mm. Uh, like... You know, this immediately gets us into the mindset of, okay, so what Mr. This is just going to be following Mr. Smith. This is just another normal day for him. You know, he gets up, he makes himself breakfast. He apparently kind of eats a bit like a maniac. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, this is because the one thing that they do interrupt this tracking shot with sometimes is they have like little uh, sections where he, like, like discolored visions of like the shogi board. Not really like menacing, just sort of like. I think we're supposed to take this as Mr. Smith kind of, like, going over Shogi in his head. Like, okay, so this move goes here, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I think what that was... What they were trying to do there was uh, just kind of convey, you know, this is just going to be how Mr. Smith lives his life. And on that level, I do appreciate it. It does go on for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing, and this is the bit more of a cynical view of it, they had they needed to fill out this episode, and but they let their animator have a little bit of fun to see what they could do with a tracking shot. Yeah, I mean it was fun and unique. It's not it's not the kind of sequence you normally see in anime, right. So right, you know, because you know, like you know, it's an anime. Like you don't generally need such long continuous shots. But hey, you know what? I kind of appreciate that they did include that there. I also liked it because they did a somewhat similar thing with the match itself, where yeah, yeah. they would have extended sort of like overhead shots of the shogi board, and you would right. just see the two pairs of hands 
moving back and forth and moving their pieces. Um, and what I liked was that it would, they were all very detailed and very human movements. Um, because, right. you know, several times, at least, you didn't see Goto do it, I think, but you saw Mr. Smith a couple times. He would move a piece, but in moving it, he would accidentally knock aside another piece. So he would, like, put yeah. down his piece, get it in place, and then adjust another one. Um, and it looked, you know, it, it just, it looked the way that human hands move. Yeah, um, and I, because I, I made note of that myself, and what I love what they do about that is that they do establish the difference between these two players by doing that. Yeah, without ever having to show facial expressions or anything, it's just hand movements. Right. Uh, like, they have this, uh, they have this instant, like, they do these, like, uh, like, so you can see Mr. Smith, like, how he's struggling, you know, like, he's not nearly as in control of the board or these pieces as much as Goto is. Right. And it's like, and you know, that's a, and you know, it's a great human way to show this without actually having to go deep into their heads. Yeah, say, oh boy, I sure am nervous about playing Goto. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like it communicates that. You know, this is what I love from the series. These sort of like it assumes you can understand what they're going for. There, you know, it does this. It's like it's very human uh, motion and animation, but it's there. To, it's not just there to be showing. It's mm -hmm. there to actually communicate something about the the characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, uh, so what did, what did you think about the Ray half of the episode? Uh, the Ray half of the episode was fine. I did like the how the like I like how they showed that Ray was sort of losing to this sort of faceless opponent. Yeah, uh, like that's what I really enjoyed about it was the fact that it's like okay, so. Like, because the previous episode was trying to set up, like, this almost this valiant struggle that Rey is going to have against Goto, you know? They're, they're almost establishing this, like, kind of, like, a hot-blooded, like, sports battle thing where it's yeah. just, like, you know, Rey has to take down the evil player. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, like, no, like, Rey is actually losing to a nobody right now. Well, it's not that he's a nobody. It's just that he's not seeing him because this guy right. does outrank Rey. Right, um, and I do understand that, but I think the I, I, the way I took it was that, like, Ray was essentially seeing this man as a nobody, you know, this was just another guy who was in the way of... Right. He, like, even though he was trying to, you know, he was going over Shimada stuff, you know, he kind of acknowledged the fact that Shimada was, you know, his next opponent, and he couldn't go on to beat uh, Goto or fight Goto until he beat him. There was still kind of this mentality of, you know, this guy, he's not really that important. He's not yeah. really important in the grand scheme of things. This is just a guy I have to get through. And, you know, not that I need to ignore him, but the fact that he's like, you know, he's basically just in my way and getting to Goto. Yeah, but then that person, you know, it'd be very easy for the show to just set up, oh yeah, you know, Ray has to, has to beat Goto. That's how this has to work. Um, right. And they just make this match incidental so they can show a little more of Mr. Smith or whatever. But, yeah, there there is a great moment when Ray realizes he's actually losing. And he looks up right. and you see Shimada's face for the first time. And Shimada comments like, oh, he's finally looking at me. Cause it's like, oh, you're actually looking at me now. What's going on here? Because even the way that the, you know, e even the way the episode was directed, you didn't see Shimada's face until Ray saw his face. Which right. I thought was a nice... Uh, addition there um yeah so that'll it'll make it'll make the subsequent episode probably interesting to see whether ray can get out of that or not um i think if he loses that would 
be pretty interesting because you know it's setting up this big important moral conflict between him and the evil player and to be denied that opportunity you know might might be interesting um Uh, i don't know real quick you kind of touched on this about the whole thing with uh nikaido asking this older brother character yeah uh to you know to crush ray and like i I don't know how much I'm going to take from that because this was a shot from when Nikaido was a kid. And he just, because if you remember, Nikaido was really upset with Ray, like after his big loss to uh, Ray because it seemed like Ray was looking down on him. Oh. Uh, so I I think he was just being an angry little child and being like, yeah, I just want you to go beat him up, big bro. Oh, okay. uh, sorry. Could you repeat that one more time? I didn't understand it. <laughs> I <laughs> basically crying and being like I know I'm just I want you I'm to just go. kidding okay. I understood it I just thought you sounded ridiculous um, <laughs> fair enough uh, so it's like I because I, I think they were trying to end it on being this whole it's like oh is Nikaido actually playing this long game against Ray I don't think so yeah. like I think that's maybe a, a, a like that's almost a bit too cynical of a view of this show yeah uh, like and Nikaido does not strike me as that kind of guy to just like obviously embarrass himself and like in public basically proclaiming his love for ray on like national television Mm -hmm. or like staying overnight with him by getting hit like you know it's like oh you know i'll get him back by buying him a bed yeah right exactly yeah so i i don't really take that as being too much i think they're trying to set it up so it's you know get people to watch the next episode but i don't really take that as being as quite that menacing okay fair enough um, so, do you want to, uh, talk about another show with menacing characters? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about All Out. Okay. Okay, so, episode 13 is actually a flashback episode, uh, about the formation of the current rugby team. Now, there was a, like, the rugby team has always been there, but it really changed around once Hachi Oji, pl- uh, joined the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he met Sekizan by chance at the, uh, ba- uh, basically at, like, the intro ceremony and being like, hey, you know, you'd be great at rugby. Like, he just saw what he looked like. He's like, yeah, you're a huge dude. Your physique is built for rugby. And then he just keeps harassing, harassing Sekizan to join the team because, but Sekizan doesn't really want to. Mm-hmm. Because, well, you know, there's this crazy guy that keeps following him around and won't leave him alone. And uh, Sekizan, you know, explains to him, like, look, I'm actually not that great at sports. Like, I know I got a big body, but I don't really have much coordination. Because any sport with, like, involving catching or, like, any sort of movement with a ball, he's actually been pretty bad at. Uh, But eventually, uh, Hachioji keeps bugging him. And he... uh, Sekizan almost ends up joining the team. But he sees, actually, how the other players are... Uh, like, and how they're just leaving before, like, before even the, like, the sun goes down. Like, you know, they're not really, like, working that hard. They're not taking the sport seriously. And Sekizan's like, okay, I see what's happening here now. You're just trying to get me to join the team to fill out your numbers. You don't really, you guys don't really care much about the sport. Or even if you, even if you do, this is a team that does not. Mm -hmm. And so Hachioji, like, and, you know, Sekizan ends up uh, joining the track team and Hachioji, you know, tr- still tries to convince him to join, and Sekizan will have none of it, being like, you know, like, rugby clearly just seems like a dumb sport anyway, like, if it doesn't inspire this passion in people. Which is the first time that Hachioji has ever shown any sort of, like, real, like, anger towards Sekizan for, you know, belittling the sport. 
And eventually, uh, you know, Hachiyoji keeps stalking uh, Sekizan until, and then he arranges for, uh, well, basically what happens is Sekizan finds a love letter in his locker one day and, uh, you know, he, like, and he sees a girl off to the side. He's like, oh, like, what's going on? And she runs away and, you know, kind of escapes him. And then Sekizan, you know, after finally giving up the chase, reads the note and realizes this is just Hachioji trying to get me to join the team again. Because we find out that this girl was his sister. And he actually, and he, but then he sees a second part of the note where it says, uh, where it explains, where Hachioji explains, like, look, you know, even if the team kind of sucks right now, you and I, we can change it around. And Sekizan is about to go, is about to go visit him to basically tell him to cut it all, like, once and for all. But he sees how passionate Hachioji, Hachioji is, like, out practicing in the rain by himself. And he's like, okay, well, this is maybe the type of guy I can actually be friends with. And then the episode kind of ends from there. Right. But yeah, no, I thought it was it was a good setup. My aim, my assumption going in, of course, was that Sekizan has always been Sekizan, you know? Right. Um, I just sort of had this this impression that he was always passionate about rugby, even if he was new to it. It, it was weird to see him not caring about rugby, right. you know? And, and the... like this... Uh, this is, uh, again, something I really like about All Out is, uh, like, it, you know, this is a rugby team that, like, doesn't really care. Like, this is just like any other team. Mm -hmm. Like, like, this is like the average school. This is the average team, uh... That, you know, they're just kind of, you know, this is just a school group for them. They don't particularly care that much about the sport or the passion, you know. They're not one of those big schools. And, you know, a, a lot of sports anime, they try and play with this whole expectation of, you know, the big underdog story of, like, you know, the small, you know, the the small group with, like, a bunch of really passionate students. Yeah. Like, who kind of rise up and take on the world with their own raw, like, their own raw, like, determination and hard work. It's like, but yeah, all of, like... I think they sell it a little better just because how the effort they go through to set up just how, like, uncaring this team was at first. Well, yeah. I mean, how normal a team. It was just a group yeah. of teenagers who enjoyed playing rugby sometimes. Um, and in the world of sports anime, that's, like, <laughs> the ultimate sin of not planning to go to Koshien. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but... So and so Sekizan is not interested in a team that doesn't completely dedicate itself to working out until after the sun goes down. You know, yeah. Why, why would I waste <laughs> my time if they're not going to work out like crazy people? Um, and so you see that reflected a little bit in in how he develops later on. I am I would I, I have to admit I was hoping because when you see freshman Sekizan, he looks very different than he does as a third year. Right. I was hoping they were going to break down at what point his hair went crazy. And <laughs> like... You know, maybe a future episode. That's what I'm going to say. Maybe like maybe that's not something that happened until around like his second year or something. I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping there's a canon explanation for that hair. <laughs> uh, something I did really appreciate in this episode as well was that they did this whole because I thought what they were doing uh, with Hachioji was that they were going to try like Hachioji says something about how. Like, oh, you know, we get free stuff from, like, other, from, like, local restaurants and, like, other businesses. And, you know, Sekizan walks away uncaring. And then, you know, like, uh, Hachioji explains, like, you know, we even get, like, free Takeoki or something like that. And then, like, Sekizan pauses, like, 
what? Yeah. And, uh, like, Hachioji is like, oh, so that got you interested, right? It's like, are they really going to do this? Where either, like, are we going to try and set up this whole character about, this whole character trait about Sekizan, where, you know, like, oh, you know, he's the big tough guy, but, oh, he's embarrassed by his love of sweets. Yeah. And they, they kind of, uh, in this episode, they kind of play with going back and forth, because there's kind of... Uh, there's this frame story about how Hachioji and Sekizan are talking with some of the first-year teammates. And, uh, like, there's a scene, like, after this happens where uh, Sekizan is, like, just eating takioki there. And they're like, oh, so you really like sweet, sweet uh, Sekizan? He's like, dude, I have an unrivaled sweet tooth. I love sweets. Yeah. And I, I appreciate the fact that it's like, okay, so they, that joke was not so much about, like, oh, he's the big tough guy with, like, a, a secret sensitive side. No, he was he just didn't want to talk to Hachiyoshi because he was weird and wouldn't leave him alone. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that he's actually, and he actually, like, proudly admits, like, yeah, I love sweet stuff. What? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that adds a lot to the characters of this show, this sort of, uh, sort of openness about them. Yeah, I agree. Um... And then, but we we didn't just get one episode of All Out. We got two. So right. uh, you got you got a little more uh, background on another character in the next episode of All Out. So you want to break that down yes. for me? Yeah, absolutely. So this episode actually uh, focuses a lot on Coach Shingo, who wanted to. He's meeting with a former uh, colleague of his, and uh, he goes out to a restaurant that's actually being at. Uh, uh, like being headed by another former teammate of his, basically from back in their college days. And what happens is, uh, like Coach Shingo is talking with this other uh, he, this other friend of his, this other former teammate of his, and they talk for a while. And uh, what we find out about Shingo is that, you know, he actually like even though he has always given off the image of being stern, he's actually a lot nicer than he used to be because he became very embittered uh, after college because his wife like you know she was unable to have children and you know he was just sort of like he wasn't really seeing much like going on in his life he ended up retiring and decided like he kind of started up this rugby blog just sort of as a way to kill time like during retirement and that's what he had planned on for coaching and uh but uh he actually really loves uh coaching these kids like it actually gives him a lot of fun it's like having uh children again i love this conversation that he has with this uh, with this colleague of his who's like, yeah, you're gonna have to introduce the uh, introduce the kids to the wife, and he's like, I kind of don't want to because I kind of like just letting this be my own thing. But I realize I can't be selfish about this, right? Uh, and you know, it's uh, we also find out about his uh, former teammate that he's actually a coach himself because he just he loves working with kids. He loves like watching kids, you know, be really fiery and passionate about things. You know, he loves watching them like teaching them rugby. Mm-hmm. And then the second part of the episode uh, kind of focuses on uh, Sekizan. Or what happens is a character that we don't even know by the name of Keita. He's kind of this sort of no-name first year. I guess he's always been around in the background. Mm-hmm. But he ends up quitting the team because their practices are just way too hard on him. Like, he's at the point where he can't eat or sleep anymore because he's just that exhausted. Like, he can't hold down food. And this really affects Sekizan because, you know, he doesn't want anybody to, like, leave the team. You know, he's like, hey, you know, we can tone down practices. He's like, dude, I'm not going to do that to the team. Like, we don't need to, like, everybody else can handle this. But, like, I, I don't want to adjust how we practice just because of that mm-hmm. and that sort of makes uh you know they're kind of setting up this whole like big promise between Sekizan and Keita like that uh 
you know, okay, so we'll make it to Hanazono for you. But that kind of, like, kind of turns Zekizan almost into a madman because he starts getting really hard on Gion uh, during their big uh, training camp at the beach. And he, you know, he starts shouting at Gion. It's like, you know, you're being way too reckless and you're being way too, uh, like, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta be, like, perfect at this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you, it's like, you can't just keep going at this like you are. You know, you're, you're failing right now. And then there's this, and sort of after practice, they're all kind of, uh, you know, walking away. And, uh, but uh, Sekizan is still practicing, you know, he's still out running. And Shingo kind of confronts him and is just like, Okay, I know you're a little torn up, but you got to calm down just a little bit. You know, you don't want people to be reckless, but frankly, your recklessness is kind of what's gotten to you guys to where you are. I know you want to make it to Hanazono for Akeda, but, you know, remember, resting is important. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't just be tearing yourself up just trying to get to Hanazono. Like, you guys are going to start seeing, you guys are already seeing massive improvements. Just let it run its course, okay? And that, and then some of the other uh, members of the team are also kind of there, and they kind of, like, help cheer up Sekizan. Like, Sekizan's like, okay, well, maybe I'm not entirely alone in this. Yeah. And then the very last shot of the episode is uh, uh, Hachioji getting a text from, I think, uh, from Issei, uh, who says he's talking to his brother. And I, my takeaway from that was, I, Issei is the one with the, with the brother who's basically fell out of love with rugby, right? Oh, yeah. I, th I think that's who that was supposed to be. Hmm. So, yeah, what was your uh, takeaway from the episode? I don't know. Uh, I, I liked the characterization of the coach where you got to see a little bit more of his personality because it's true, and they even kind of commented on, on the episode where he say, like, oh, you're so harsh. He's like, uh, it's kind of crazy, but the kids are scared of me. And they're like, well, <laughs> yeah, it's because you never smile. He's like, oh, right. <laughs> Um, but you get to see a little bit more of his personality and the fact that he derives a lot of joy. Um, it was a l slightly ham-fisted that, like, he can't have kids, so yeah. these are his kids. Get it? Um, which, whatever. I, I don't, I don't really care. Um. <laughs> yeah, kinda. Uh, because, yeah, it, it was a little on the nose, but I, I appreciated the, the clarity. <laughs> It, it's a different perspective than what we get from a lot of sports series because this like the coach is always kind of seen as being this very distant character from the rest of the crew like they're kind of there and they're sort of there like you know the kind of like inspire them but yeah you know it's kind of the uh you know it's kind of the team that kind of uh trains itself you know that's kind of the cliche you know it's the team that really raised themselves and the coach is just kind of there to give them some some uh, some a little advice but but no, it's kind of refreshing to see, like, no, the coach is actually kind of, you know, the coach himself is actually, like, a character in this story. Yeah, how He's often much does... much a part of this team. How often does a coach have his own motivation? Yeah, exactly. Like, beyond just, oh, you know, I just like, well, I, I just like passing on the knowledge of my sport that I played. And, you know, I like watching the kids, but, you know, this is really their team. It's just like, right. Shingo is as much a part of this team as anybody else. And I really love that I uh, getting the, like, really getting into his character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I also kind of like, you know, we've talked about this again, you know, the series almost feels like it's about to go into this direction of, you know, hard work is going to solve everything, like beating yourself down to the bone is what's going to solve, is going to be what solves everything. But, you know, you have characters who are leaving because, like, it's not even so much that they want to, it's that they can't handle the practice. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, 
like they're like they are physically like becoming unwell because of it. Well, yeah, and that that's the thing is that Sekizan was so cavalier to say, um, "Oh, we need to practice more. Fine, we'll practice twice a day before school and after school." Uh, right. And he just said that like it was nothing without even consulting. But like there are ramifications to that decision, and some people will appreciate it, but some people will get burned out because right that's a lot of work to put someone through. Right, exactly. And like Katie even mentions, like, look, I don't even really want to leave the team. Like, you all are my friends. I like you guys, but I just I can't handle this anymore. Yeah. Like, I I feel like I'm actually dying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, and again, I kind of appreciate this is a series that's like, okay, yes, hard work is very important. And you know, if this is something you want to do, you have to work towards it. But remember, guys, you don't need to do stuff that's going to kill you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, remember, guys, temper yourselves. And, you know, I like the fact that the coach even mentions, like, look, I know you guys are working hard, but remember, like, Seki-san, remember, just because you're working hard, like, this isn't good for you either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did appreciate that they had a, a short period where, um, so Keita dropped off that resignation notice with Yoshida, right. who is the team advisor. I appreciated the fact that Yoshida appeared because you know when he first appeared he'd been an uncaring cynical character and now it's very clear that even though he may not be best buddies with these kids like yeah. he's empathetic um right and so he comes over and he he sits down and he talks to Sekizan about it and you know he's clearly he clearly cares and he knows Sekizan's gonna be affected by it and he wants to like be sensitive to that um which i thought was you know a good development yeah yeah exactly it's like these are very like these characters feel very human to what in uh, to me in a way that a lot of sports anime like like a lot of sports uh battle anime don't tend to yeah so um speaking of anime that doesn't seem human do you want to talk about <laughs> tiger mask yeah let's do tiger mask buddy okay so um yeah, so we got Tiger Mask episodes 13 and 14 this week. So episode 13 really wrapped up the first major arc of the show. Of with course. the final uh, match of the Masked Fighters World Tournament, whatever. Um, uh, it was a little confusing, though, because the episode started off with the introduction of t- two other wrestlers... And they were female GWM wrestlers who had sort of right. an exhibition match. Um, and even though they were fighting before the Masked World Tournament, neither of them were masked, but whatever. Not going to comment on that, I guess. Uh, where you had a the, the match between Queen Elizabeth and Pain Fox. <laughs> um, and they were supposed to have a half-hour match... But then Miss X told them to cut it short to be a 10-minute match so that Tiger Mask would have less time to recover. And the match is kind of a non-event. It sort of fills up the episode. But then so you see, oh no, Tiger Mask had to go into the match sooner than he expected. He's not well-rested, and he has to fight Yellow Devil. Um, And so all of that was kind of like humdrum, but they clearly saved up anything that they did had left in the bottom of the piggy bank for this sequence against the yeah. devil because um, it was a really well animated fight uh it, it's really the the only truly well animated fight uh since red death mask early yeah, on definitely. in the show um and it was exciting I, we actually simul watched this one together and we both uh, enjoyed it a lot 
They had the revelation of Tiger Mask's fully evolved finisher move, um, which he still doesn't have a name for, but it was, <laughs> that, was, that was pretty cool to see. Uh, and then he knocks Yellow Devil unconscious and uh, pulls him up, takes off his mask, but reveals that it's actually Billy the Kid Man. <laughs> which is great just a great villain name by the way billy the right. kid man oh. under the mask um and uh that it, it can't be the original yellow devil who uh, attacked daisuke because billy the kid man was with that yellow devil on that trip so he knows right. they're different people um and it's at this point that uh, so tiger mask wins the tournament but he destroys the trophy in anger and then uh, Tiger the Dark realizes that Tiger Mask and him are on the same side. But they don't do anything about it. Um, yeah, they just kind of walk off and are like, okay, cool. Yeah. And I'm just going to move on and talk about Tiger Mask 14-2. Oh, and please we'll, do so. we'll just go back. Um, and so in episode 14, uh, Naoto is depressed because he doesn't know where Yellow Devil is. Uh, Takuma decides to enter the hell in the hole tournament uh, to, to find yellow devil it wasn't totally clear um and he teams up with kevin uh <laughs> our boy kevin and uh, <laughs> meanwhile uh the nurse uh, daisuke's nurse rory asks naoto to take her to a pro wrestling match like he promised so he's like oh boy i got a date um, but wouldn't you know, Haruna enters him uh, to fight in the same match where he's supposed to be attending with Ruri. So there's this extended sequence of him running back and forth and dressing up as Tiger Mask and then appearing as Naoto so he can sit with Ruri and then disappear and compete as Tiger Mask. And she seems kind of calm and uninterested in the fact that it takes him like a half hour to get a hot dog. <laughs> And that he doesn't actually re get a hot dog after all that time. Right. And he misses the whole Tiger Mask match. And she's like, oh, well. Um, anyway, but she decides that pro wrestling is so much fun that she's going to accept a job working at the GWM Max Dome as a nurse. So she's going to be a wrestling nurse from now on. Um, and wouldn't you know it, Tiger Mask's next match is at the Max Dome. But what if Rory sees him? So, <laughs> anyway, um, did, do you want to just talk about the good episode first? Yeah, so I, I don't have a lot to say about it because, I mean, it's just, it's Lord, what makes it fun is the fact that this is actually, like, a really well-animated, like, like, there's a lot of energy during this fight, and it's something that's been missing for a long time. Uh, there's, like, a lot of, like, exaggerated shots. I always do, I always love the effect of when hits happen, you get, like, those giant air bursts. Mm -hmm. uh, like, that's pretty standard for a lot of sports series, but they're always hype when they happen, I won't lie. Uh, Tiger Mask, like, killer move is generally pretty fun. Uh, like, because he does, like, this flying, like, knee slam into the chest and then sort of, like, lifts them up and swings them around. Mm -hmm. And, like, and kind of, like, and kind of like uh, crushes them with the spine and then just sort of throws them off and then kind of, like, dives on them. You know, it's, it's a big flashy move that's, that's, I, I think it's a fun way. It's kind of a fun killer move. I'll give him that. Though I do also have to say, I don't entirely know how that's actually more effective than what Tiger Mask did to Naoto, which was which was just knee him in the you mean face. Takuma? 
Takuma, sorry, what did I say? You said Naoto, but that's oh, the same bad. person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I meant Takuma. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, where he just sort of does a flying knee straight into his eyes. Like, I don't know how that's, how this, how your actual killer move is more effective than that, but you know what? It's fine. Um, uh, and then, like, I, my only other takeaway from that was just, like, I mean, do you want to just talk about the Diva match real quick? Uh, I, not really. Not really. I mean, that's kind of what I was getting at because it feels like it was there to fill out the episode. Yeah, and show because they boobs. kind of realized during production they had they really did not have enough to uh, to kind of uh, get through this tiger match, like this match against the uh, Yellow Devil. So they just kind of had to throw in this uh, random diva match mm-hmm. with new characters who'd never been introduced before. But who right. both have boobs, so look at that. You yeah, know. look at that for a while. They even give out the measurements. I don't even know why I'm surprised. Yeah, that but... was oh, that was kind of gross. <laughs> I mean, that's just par for the course. Yeah, and but the announcer's like, well, wouldn't Japanese fans want to know their measurements? It's like, oh, uh, would they? I hope not. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's just kind of creepy, guys. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So let's just talk about episode 14 now, if you don't mind. Uh, I don't. Well, yeah, and all I'll say is that, like. If someone hasn't seen Tiger Mask, you would have probably have a pretty good time with the show if you just watched, was it, episode 4? Yeah, the Red Death Mask. Red Death Mask, and then episode 13 with Yellow Devil. Because those are the yeah, two... Yeah, these, these those are the are two the, highlights. They're the two good episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Effectively. And really, just like, for episode 13, really just skip, like, the first five, six minutes or yeah. so. All right, so episode <laughs> 14, with all the drama. With all the drama. Okay, so... One of the very so there are a lot of really weird scenes in this episode that don't initially seem that odd until you start to think about them. The major one is uh, so there is a scene where we have Billy the Kid Man just <laughs> sitting down mid air in a plane. Yeah. All of a sudden, Takuma bursts in from off screen and is like, "So what? Who was the real Yellow Devil?" Yeah. You did you guys? boarded the plane together i assume <laughs> you guys have had there's i'm just imagining this whole process of them getting to the airport checking in their luggage at customs uh just get very calmly getting on the plane waiting like hours for them to actually get mid-air before yeah. talk about just finally bursts and is like who was yellow devil yeah and then he kicks him in the stomach did you guys not have a chance alone together before you got on the plane? Yeah. Because the way it's treated is just like, like Billy the Kid Man is just kind of sitting there sort of dejected and tired and sort of beaten. Like, uh, okay, finally I'm just going home. And then all of a sudden Takuma just has this outburst out of nowhere. Uh, and then there's this other great scene towards the beginning of the episode when, uh, Ruri calls Naoto and she's like, hey, Naoto, do you remember our promise? And Naoto just has this dazed look in his eye, pause it, and he just goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then she explains to him, yeah, yeah we're going to go see a wrestling match together. And Naoto's just like, oh, yes, of course, that's what we're going to go do. And it's like, did Naoto get weirdly real there by, like, trying to, like, hide the fact that he totally forgot about something? Like, that was a strangely real, weird, like, human reaction like like not one that i expect out of this series of somebody who's just trying to kind of like get out of like having to explain themselves hmm. like yeah 
Yes, I did. Uh, oh, and then there's the fact that uh, Naoto just gave away, like, so their winnings he just sort of donated. Mm. Yeah, well... Because they won a hundred... He won a hundred thousand dollars. Right. And he gave it away because it was, like, impure GWM money. Yeah, basically. And it's like, I feel like... So, you can almost argue, like, with the original Tiger Mask, that you can argue that the original Tiger Mask was probably kind of down on his luck, and, you know, because, you know, he had this whole thing, I think, with this orphanage that they talked about. Uh-huh. How he helped out, like, uh, like, a specific orphanage. So, he probably, like... Like, you could probably get away with, like, doing things with, like, his money and why he's never able to do much more because, you know, he's always investing in these kids. Naoto doesn't really have much mo- much more motivation than I want to beat Yellow De- uh, Yellow Devil. Yeah. But they have to kind of keep up this uh, this illusion that Naoto is still, like, you know, he's still this great hero. So it's like, oh, yeah, he, he, downlo- he, he donated the money. To who? I don't know. Exactly, to someone. <laughs> he donated it to someone. And that's why they're, like, constantly going to be, like, down on your luck. It's like, at the very least, can you invest in in maintenance for your secret, like, your secret ultra training gym? Mm Mm-hmm. Do something. Like, like there's that other great scene in that gym, too, where he's being lifted up by this, like, training robot. Sort of grabs him, lifts him up, sets him back down, and now Toe's like, hey, can we call it quits for the day? Hmm. And, because it's like, I'm tired from my match. And it's like... Naoto, just tell them you have a date. Yeah. Like, why are you not, like, why are, it's like, I guess, like, like, they have this really silly explanation as to why Naoto doesn't want Rory to know he's Tiger Mask, because apparently he doesn't see himself as Tiger Mask. Yeah. And I'm not entirely sure why the counter to that isn't just, well, then tell her you're the one who's wearing the Tiger Mask in the ring and you're carrying on his will. I don't know, whatever stupid thing, just tell her, but just tell her your conundrum here. Mm-hmm. But fine, whatever. I don't understand why he won't explain to his coach or to Haruna that, you know, he, he's got a date. Yeah. Like, it's, I could use some like, help here, guys. It's just some dirty little secret he can't tell anyone. Right, well, because his whole thing is like, oh, we're not on a date, we're just going out to see wrestling together. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this, this show is kind of marketed towards 10-year-olds, so maybe that's just, like, how a 10-year-old would react to the situation. <laughs> I guess that's fair. Um, but it's like, dude, just, can you just, like, explain something to people? Like, explain anything to these people. Yeah, I guess. Um, so, speaking of, uh, explaining thing, that, not a good segue, um, <laughs> we do have one other new show for this season that we have, uh, decided to push towards the end of our episodes, yeah. uh, for reasons that we'll explain, that is, uh, Minami Kamakura High School Girls Cycling Club, or Minami, if you wanna, you know, not yeah. have a mouthful. Minami Kamakura. Yeah. But, anyway... Okay, so, uh, we begin this episode with, uh, Hiromi riding her bike to school, and she doesn't know how to do it, because she doesn't even understand that she needs to turn the pedals on her bike. Right. Um, and so, she, but she remembers, and she starts riding, and she ends up running into a character by the name of Tomoe. Who kind of knows how to ride bikes because, well, I mean, she's been riding bikes. <laughs> For any amount of time. Yeah. For any amount of time. And uh, they're going, they end up running into one another. Uh, Tomoe helps her, li- helps Hiromi, like, with her bike. 
And they end up riding off uh, around Kamakura because Hiromi is new to town and she hasn't seen much of it yet. So just before they get to school, because they're both going to the same school, uh, they decide to just take a quick tour of the city, kind of show her some of the sights. Along the way, they run into somebody by the name of Shiki who ends up, who's going to be a teacher at their school. And uh, they go to school, they go to their... Uh, they they go to their kind of like they're like they're like kind of like a comment not commencement but they're kind of like opening segue segment that they have at schools you know they're kind of introduction like welcome to our school and uh, then the episode ends with them attempting to ride bikes. Did I miss anything? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> there is almost nothing in this first episode. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to put an article uh, link in our description for this episode. If you want to look at it, please do so. Uh, basically, it's an interview with the director of the show. He's very insistent during this, uh, during this interview that this is not a PR video for the city of Kamakura. Our takeaway from this episode was, this is a PR video for the town of Kamakura. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, there's so many idyllic shots of the city, like, so the cherry blossoms are sprouting, like, and, like, any time the cherry blossoms are in scene, the petals are always, like, it, they're always raining down. Like, this is, there is never a sequence when the cherry blossoms are in view, where, the uh, where they are not just gently floating uh, across the screen. Yeah. Like, almost like snow. Uh... Oh, what was the amazing line we uh, we heard about where it's just like, wow, this is such a beautiful view here at Kamakura. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them, but your first introduction to Tomoe, she's standing in front of the train station and saying, right. wow, this sure is a pretty train station right. in my hometown that I've always lived in, but I just feel the need to explain this out loud of... <laughs> How attractive oh, I, I, the Kamakura train stations are. No, I, I remember the line that really got us was when they were on the tour, and uh, I think it was uh, Hiromi who goes, This is one of Kamakura's ocean views? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, because like, they. What they, an odd thing to specify. Well, what got me about it was that everything seemed new to Hiromi the whole episode. So, right. um, she was surprised by the fact that. Uh, bikes have pedals and brakes because right. she hasn't, you know, been conscious for most of her life. And then, <laughs> like, yes, we get it that she's new to town and she hasn't lived in Kamakura very long, but she's literally never seen the ocean that is a bike ride away from her house. Right, and here, uh, like, let me just let me just point out a couple things here. I'm just going to confess right now, I don't know how to ride a bike. I can't ride a bike. I never grew up... I, maybe at one point, I, I like, I got... I used to ride on training wheels, like, when I was a real little kid, but I never got past that. Uh, I know that you pedal the damn, the damn pedals to move the bike. Yeah, exactly. Like, she just sat on the bike and, like, leaned forward and yelled and was surprised that the bike didn't go forward. Like, right. what kind of person is this? Right. And it's like, so she's, like, surprised by the ocean view there. I've been to Japan. Ocean views are everywhere. Yeah. It's a long, thin island. <laughs> it's a very long, thin island. And, like, unless you've only lived in the mainland, like, 
like straight in the center of the country for all of your life how can you be this surprised by the ocean view specifically the one of kamakura mm -hmm. uh like this is a real this is a real weird show and there's so many like like there's a lot of really pervy shots during this episode that aren't, like, like overtly pervy, but they just kind of have, like, the camera rest on the girl's chest for just, like, maybe one or two seconds. Mm -hmm. Like, and then they just sort of cut away from it. Or, like, you know, you move into a scene and you're just staring at the girl's chest. And that's, you know, that's about all you get. Mm -hmm. But it's like, man, what's... What is this show? Yeah, I have... I have no idea, but it did continue, and we got a second dose. Oh, yes. Let me uh, let me go on there. So this one has a little bit more meat to it. Uh, so this uh, this episode begins with uh, Hiromi and Tomoe going on their uh, their tour of the city, uh, and uh, so they're being given bikes by somebody. Mm -hmm. Are they like at a bike rental shop, or is that like Tomoe's father? I don't know who that was. And, but the, he says that they only have two bikes left, and one of them has, like, special gears, so Tomoe has to ride the one with gears. Uh, and, uh, for, she doesn't seem to understand how to use it? Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, there's this whole sequence where, uh, she, uh, their teacher ends up joining them as well for their tour. I think they just kind of run into her and she wants to join. And they get to a shrine... And what happens is uh, their teacher falls asleep on Tomoe's shoulder, or was it even her it, lap? It, and she, yes, it was on She her fell shoulder. asleep. Yeah, she's on the shoulder. So while this is going on, for some reason, Hiromi wants to ride on Tomoe's bike for some reason. Anyway, what happens is she ends up riding on her bike, chases a squirrel, and then gets completely lost. And so the entire episode is about uh, <clears throat> is about uh, try basically Tomoe and Shiki trying to track down uh, Hiromi. And now during this episode, we get some cutaways to the seemingly unrelated plot with this girl by the, with this rich girl by the name of Fuyune, who's like a photographer. She's kind of set up because uh, there's a scene where she's trying to take a picture of a uh, of some birds and. Uh, Hiromi's being very loud and boisterous, and she scares away the birds. But anyway, she's being uh, chauffeured home by her butler, and as they're sitting there in traffic, uh, Fuyune sees a bike, and she's like, oh, oh, and like the butler says something like, oh, well, it must be nice to ride a bike since you don't have to deal with traffic. And this, apparently, is like, okay, never mind, let's go to a bike shop. I would like one bike, please. Yeah. Uh... And so, and then there's another cutaway to this cafe, and uh, Shiki calls this cafe, and she, uh, the the girls, this uh, the the owner of this cafe is Shiki's sister, and there's this bike group there, this male bike group, uh, that uh, apparently she has this these lovely walnut jam rolls, and she promises them to these guys, uh, if they can track down Hiromi. And while she's there, a girl walks up to the cafe and is like, can I get my bike fixed, please? And uh, Shiki's sister goes, sorry, we're not a bike shop. We're a cafe. 
And then the next shot is of uh, Shiki's sister fixing the bike. Right. And anyway, so there, uh, there's a lot of hijinks with Hiromi. She meets up with this old woman who loses her apples, and she gives her a single tiny apple. And she finds her way up to this shrine because the old lady directed her. It's like, oh, well, there's a shrine up there. I think they were tomatoes. That's, oh, why, they they tomatoes? Were, that's oh. why they were tiny. Okay, they looked like apples to me. This show is not terribly well animated. Anyway, <laughs> uh, when she's up there, she discovers, oh, this is the wrong shrine. You know, I would have thought, you know, she wouldn't recognize the path, but whatever. And uh, she meets a young girl up there who's like an artist, and she talks to the girl. And apparently the girl has been drawing shrines, so she's able to identify, or Hiromi is able to identify the shrine based on her drawing, even though it's just like a shot of the gate. And she decides to lead her back to the uh, to the shrine that Tomoe was at, but then while she's there, uh, the guys track her down and take her to the uh, bike shop, or take her down to back to the cafe, and then she meets up with Shiki and Tomoe there. Fuyune has shown up as well because she wants a bike because there's a bike shop connected to this cafe, which is why there's all this confusion. And uh, this girl with the short hair is still there. And then they all decide to go ride up, uh, ride over to the adjacent island together. And that's kind of where the episode ends. Mm-hmm. This is such a weird, convoluted way to get all of these girls together. Because uh, so Higa uh, is that her name is Higa Natsumi. She's a short hair girl. Uh, we've seen her in the opening, so we already know she joins this little group. Same with Fuyune. And uh, so, and I guess that's the whole point: is getting all of these girls together and wanting to ride bikes. Even though Fuyune didn't really care about the bike itself. It seemed like she was just kind of impulsive and just wanted to get out of traffic faster. Mm-hmm. Well, like this isn't really establishing a love of bikes for her. No, she's just like a rich girl who saw a thing and decided to buy it. Right, yeah. exactly. And this is such a weird, convoluted episode with all of these different, like, completely random plot points being jumbled together. And especially because, like, uh, like Higa has absolutely no connection to these girls whatsoever. She was there to get her bike fixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she just gets, like, lumped in with everyone else and like, oh, well, let's go explore Kamakura together, all of us, as friends. And we're like, I mean, I guess because they find out that she also goes to the same high school as them, she gets roped yeah. into it, and she has no personality, so she doesn't say no. <laughs> Basically... Uh, and I guess Fuyune, they recognize as actually being a part of her, as part of their class with Shiki, even though Shiki doesn't recognize Fuyune at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I guess the ex- explanation for the bike shop is that the owner is gone. The The bike shop that's, like, adjacent to this cafe is gone, but they'll be back soon, apparently. Well, yeah, I mean, it was just that people went up, to, saw that there was a bike shop. The bike shop was closed, but they misinterpreted and thought the cafe was the bike shop, and... I don't know. Yeah, it it, it was so kind of weird. Like, and and although the cafe isn't the bike shop, they basically are a bike shop because they do repair bikes. You know, right? Um, and everyone eating there is a cyclist who has been out riding. Uh, those three <laughs> random guys, including oh, this was the most important part of the episode. Did you notice that there was one of the male a- characters was named Alpaca? Yes. 
I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, and he literally says Paca, just like the stupid alpaca I... shop owner in Long Riders. <laughs> Why are there two cycling gir- uh, girl cycling series that deal with alpacas? I don't understand this. Yeah, the 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 similarities for Long Riders are. I have to imagine they're random. I don't understand where the fixation on alpacas comes from. But... Right? Like, what's the connection between alpacas and biking? I don't understand this. I don't know. You'd think, like, mountain goats would beat out alpacas, right? You like... would think that. I don't know. I have some people. I know some people who live in Japan. I'll ask them about it, see if they know anything about it. This is just so baffling to me about how both of these series can have such... Can have, like alpaca-themed cycling. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to bring up with Minami Kamakura is uh, the shorts at the end of each episode. Yep. So at the end of each episode, they cut to live-action segments for several minutes with two members of a uh, pretty small idol group in Japan yeah. called AOP uh, acting like really confused ditzy girls who are yep. learning about what bikes are, and they just stand around with this owner of a Japanese bike shop and talk about how to pick out what bike you should ride. Right. So, like the uh, the end of the first one, be- uh, had a uh, had a segment about uh, like uh, the different f- types of frames and just sort of explaining what the different frames are for. Yeah. And then what was the second segment? It was again? about, like, the on. size of bike. So how to determine what size of bike you should get by, gotcha. like, how tall you are. Right. Yeah. And it's just, like... So this is clearly... If they have an idol group who's, like, talking about the end of this... Like, this is clearly a show meant for guys. Like... Uh-huh. L- like, otaku. Like, same way that Long Riders was, but, like... A little bit more overtly, I would say, if they have, like, some sort of deal with AOP, who we did look up, and apparently their gimmick is that they love anime. Yeah, they're girls who love anime. Right, so right there, like, that that feels like the whole, like, the creepy appeal of, like, guys with, like, gamer girls, if you know that whole thing. Yeah. Like, like, the whole thing is like, ooh, a girl is playing games, that's hot. It's like, oh, these, a- these idol girls love anime, oh, man. Yeah, exactly. Like... I don't know. Like, I mean, it also communicates the fact that this show is on such a tight budget that they need the last four minutes of every episode <laughs> to be live-action interviews. Um, right, but I have to imagine that there's, like, a brand deal going on there, because, I mean, I can't imagine that they, uh... I, I guess unless it's, like, a promotional thing for AOP, like, maybe they're paying them to promote their Who knows who's to... getting paid, but right. the, the, the girls from AOP are wearing the jerseys from the anime. So. Right, the jerseys we have actually not seen yet in the actual series, well, outside yeah. of, like, the opening. Right, exactly. Um, we need to wrap up with, <laughs> somehow, be- I mean, because we've had to do two episodes for each show, we've gone a little long. Um, right. So, that, that, won't, that won't be the norm for, for this, the rest of the season, I hope, but... Anyway, the uh, we need to wrap up with TQ. So, um, like like we said, TQ is not a new show, but it is one that well, we said we would get through, so we're going to get through it. So the way we're doing it is because it is a set of two-minute shorts, um, and there's 12 episodes per season. So it's basically, ultimately, it's the length of a little longer than normal episodes. So we're going to do one season per week. So this week, right. we both watched season one of TQ. Um 
and so the plot in so it's basically a gag anime so there's not yeah. much in the way of plot but the plot effectively just introduces the main characters so there's four girls in the show uh the main character is yuri who joined the soft tennis club because she's played tennis before and then uh there's uh, three second years uh named konoe who is short and has pink hair and uh likes to defy physics um <laughs> nasuno who has a short brown hair she's very rich and her dad appears to be colonel sanders uh and marimo who has long blue hair she's very tall and she eats underpants um so the and, the, and those are the those are the girls of the club so it just sort of follows random gag hijinks um, right. And there's not there's not much in the way of development because each episode is like a standalone series of jokes basically. Um, right. So I think we just go through some some of the ones that that's uh, like in the first episode uh, Yuri is playing tennis with Konoe and Konoe realizes that Konoe is completely incapable of playing tennis. Right. Um, and when when she her lack of experience is exposed, she blames she blames a conspiracy on the Japanese government, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> right. Um, I like... uh, there's one gag I liked a little later on. I don't even remember what episode it was, but there's this whole because there's this whole thing about how uh how Kanoe uh, defies the laws of physics, how just when they have the group go, when they start getting a bit more of the group together, they have to play a doubles game, but yeah. they're missing a member, so Kanoe just splits in two. Yeah, she just becomes two of herself. They're like, wait, you can't you can't defy physics? She's like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Just, just don't worry about it, I, I got this. I, I liked the episode where they go to Kanoe's house. <laughs> and, and it turns out to not be her house. Well, come on. Like, despite don't, the fact don't, that her no mother spoilers. Is... Come on. Oh, sorry. The, uh... Well, sorry, that was the gag. Yeah, well, that was the... There were actually two things I thought were funny in that, where Kanoe's mom... Uh, they walk in, and it looks like there's a corpse in the front. Right. Uh, but then they realize, oh, it's not a corpse. It's just a doormat that looks like a corpse. But then it turns out it's not a doormat that looks like a corpse. It's her mom pretending to be a doormat that looks like a corpse. Right. So it's, which also uh, adds to the to the gag at the end about the fact that it's not her house. Then what was her mom doing there? Exactly. And <laughs> that includes the fact they find a creepy stain on one of right. the, the posts that looks like a face. And they're like, oh man, why is this face here? That's so creepy. Why does that stain right. exist in the wood? And then Konoe reveals that it's because she the way she sleeps is she just leans her face against a post <laughs> and leans into the wall all night so that's actually uh, there, there's kind of a fun episode about where they go to the uh, the swimming pool i do like that gag where uh they're complaining that it's raining because you know this was supposed to be their big pool day yeah so uh nasuno hires a uh, military group to take over the news and proclaim that it's going to be sunny today. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, that doesn't affect anything. That doesn't actually work. <laughs> yeah, um, I I like there there was an episode when they where they focus on practicing tennis, and uh, they they at the end of it, Yuri decides that an anime about tennis is actually pretty boring, so they shouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> uh, Sick Prince of Tennis Burn. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
I I did I, I mentioned it before, but I appreciate the ongoing gag about Nasuno's dad being Colonel Sanders <laughs> because there's this whole thing in Japan with KFCs where they have statues of Colonel Sanders sitting outside. Yeah. But in this, they're like, no, it's that's just her dad, and he sits outside KFC. <laughs> they do. I, I like the reveal at that end of the episode where because like you know this episode is about Nasuno trying to prepare like uh like. She's making she's making something for her dad's birthday, you know, yeah. just like as kind of her gift to him, and like they're standing outside the KFC, and then there's like a helicopter descending, and then the very last shot of the episode is her handing the food to Colonel Sanders, who gets up and takes it. It's like, wait, so then the helicopter's completely unrelated? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's just a helicopter there for no reason. Um, yeah, the uh, the final episode of the season ends with. Uh, them hitting their tennis ball outside the court and they have to re- go retrieve it from the haunted former school. Right. Um, and they keep trying to, con- like, Marimo keeps trying to convince them to just replace the tennis ball with a chick, like a baby chicken. <laughs> that like, they just found? It's fine. It's yellow and fuzzy. Let's just, it's, it's good enough. And they're like, no, you can't, the chicken cannot be a tennis ball. Um, and then they, they go through the, the haunted school and they walk through, they walk through, and then they all die because right. the school is haunted. And uh, the end of the season is a narrative where uh, Yuri briefly says, but it's okay because we all returned to our bodies through sheer willpower. <laughs> um, and it ends on a title card of, like, aim for Wimbledon, but then they, cro- <laughs> they cross out Wimbledon and say, aim for a second season. Um, so there's this ongoing joke about how they're afraid the show is going to get canceled the whole time. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, we already know that's not really a concern. That I mean, yeah. they, they made it through. Yeah. Um, um, I think you kind of enjoyed this one a little bit more than I did. But I can kind of appreciate it's just general... Like, this is a show that does not care. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can appreciate that. Yeah. Like, it's very open about how very little it cares for about anything regarding continuity... Or really anything that makes any sense. Yeah. I don't know. I think it'll be uh, fun to see where it goes. Just because right. I imagine that they're going to build up all these inside jokes. And then just layer them and layer them and layer them. Oh, so, I'm sure. Uh, I think I think it'll be fun. I think probably moving forward we'll just focus on like identifying a few of the, the jokes that we thought stuck out from each season. Yeah. Because, I, th- I, I mean, how else do we do this? We can't really talk about any form of narrative or... Themes. Yeah. Or themes. Uh, theme is it doesn't care. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, uh, uh, thank you for joining me today, as always. Uh, Matt, I always appreciate your presence. I always appreciate your input, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting back on a regular schedule with this season uh, yeah. next, next week. And, yeah, uh, end of the year kind of killed us there, but I, I'm kind of glad we're uh, we're kind of back to going back to weekly. So um, if you wouldn't mind, would you please hit the credits? It's my pleasure as always. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Cast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiancast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We will be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training.